What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Mass Monsters Podcast. This is episode three. I'm one of your co-hosts, Coach Brett. And Coach Dan. Today, we're going over our personal experiences, what injuries that we had, and what we had to do to overcome them. Like, training since we were, what, 16, 15? Yeah, 14. 14. Yeah, we, we definitely had our fair share of nicks, knacks, and bruises, and we're still standing and still able to train at a pretty high level, so... And I'm still able to beat all my athletes without warming up. Yes, yes, we... Make sure the 14-year-old kids know that we can, we can run faster and yeah. jump higher than them. Yeah, I was going to say, except Jordan Davis. Except Jordan Davis. Can't throw further, <laughs> can't, throw, can't throw further than that. Can't throw further than Jordan. But, uh, yeah, you want me to get started with my experience, or you want to go? Yeah, no, you, you could start. I know you had a little bit of a back injury and stuff. That yeah. You said, I know you mentioned, I think, um, the last episode we filmed, that um, you're... It was during COVID. You hurt your back. You kind of didn't, didn't lift for a little while, and you cut cut your weight during that time. Yeah. So this was the COVID summer. So my sophomore year for baseball is at Springfield. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> so with the pillows. Is that your life? Yeah. So sophomore year, we played about two games, I think, for baseball at Springfield, and then we got the notice we were supposed to be going down to Florida. Season got canned. Season did get canned. And so we all got sent home to finish up classes online. And so that whole summer, I spent training like really hard with my friend Sansone, who's down in Florida right now. And he just got picked up by the Rays. And I don't have to talk about what happened there. <laughs> he, got, what happened? He, he got dropped by the Rays as well. Oh, that's <laughs> but he's tough. been working his way back up to pro ball. But um, that summer, me and him just we're training like crazy, like throwing every day, hitting every day because there's really nothing else to do. Like I was like my work was DoorDash and I mm-hmm. played a bunch of Call of Duty and I trained. So I trained for like two to three hours a day and DoorDash for four to five hours and Call of Duty the rest mm. and mix and match however that day went. But what happened was I was doing this, I was just trap bar deadlifting and Sansone loves pushing the weight a little bit. And I was doing weight that I was able to do before. I was doing around 5.15 for triples. And my last set, I went up, and it was a second rep, I think. After the second rep, finishing up the third, I felt like a huge pop in my low back. Hmm. And I just couldn't move. That, like, I was on the ground for a while. Like, that hurt. Like, my back was fried. I seized up. Couldn't move really at all after it. I tried to. And, like, that dreaded back pop. That, I've never really heard anyone say they've had it before, but after I've I've posted about it a couple of times, like more and more people reached out with the same exact injury, which is kind of weird how that happens. Yeah. That like as soon as you get hurt and you talk about it, then all these other people say like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. Like, but before it happened, no one mentioned yeah. it at all. It's the red car theory. Is it the red? Yeah. You, yeah, because it's like if you're driving to work and you say, oh, you know, how many red cars did you see on the way to work today? You're like, I don't know. But then if you're like. How many, if you said before you drive to work, like, I'll give you $100 for every red car you see on your way to work. You just start seeing more and more red cars. Because you're, like, being intentional about it. Yeah. So, for me, sorry to cut you off, but, like, I, I, after I had my Tommy John surgery, I followed the Tommy John hashtag. And, like, anytime anyone posted with hashtag Tommy John, the post would come up in feed. And then I would go on and, like, comment on people's rehab and, like, see if they were in the surgery bed posting, like, just had Tommy John or whatever. I'd comment. And be like, yo, good luck, bro. Just to like send positive vibes to everyone. Yeah. And I actually have a couple people that I still talk to this day. This kid, Shane Clower, who trains at Tread. Like I messaged him like four years ago when I had Tommy John and we've been like 
walking the process together ever since. It's pretty, That's sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is dope. But yeah, after that injury, I really just stopped training legs for like two months. I think I was it's a pretty just, solid move. I was terrible. Yeah, it's great. I did cardio and uh, an upper body. But I talked about it in the other episode. Like that's how I got down to one seventy. Yeah. What kind of cardio did you do? Just rode the bike. Low rode impact. Bike. Low impact. I rode a bike for thirty to forty five minutes, three to four times a week. But that was after I didn't know what the injury was. So I, I like popped my back, hurt, couldn't walk for like a day and a half. And then I had to go get it checked out. And then the ortho that I went to just says like, Oh, it's just a glute strain, so you're fine. Like like I heard glute strain, I'm like, Oh, it's not a big deal at all. So I just kept, I still was playing summer ball. I was still throwing every day. I just didn't lift legs, but I was still was catching and doing all this stuff. And my back hurt. Like it wasn't, it didn't go away, but I kind of just sucked it up. It was like, once you get moving and pop enough ibuprofen and energy drinks, like the pain kind of just disappears, which wasn't the smartest thing to do. And then my second or third game of summer ball, I remember I was just trying to beat out a infield hit and I was sprinting down to first and I just pulled my left hamstring like pretty bad and because I was just overcompensating like crazy because yeah. my back was I was catching and like it was down my right side so my right foot was like feeling numb and like not telling anyone I was just kind of hoping it would get better yeah, yeah. and then since I was overcompensating so much with my right side because that was what hurt I pulled my left hamstring and I'm like all right screw this like I'm not playing summer ball like I gotta figure out what the hell's going on so I scheduled an MRI, and that was a whole freaking process just trying to get an MRI to see what the hell was wrong with it, because it there was like scheduled for like a Saturday, and they called me saying the MRI machine's broke, can't come in. I'm like, what do you mean it's broke? It's like I've had this scheduled for like two weeks now. It broke the 30 minutes before I need it. I was pissed, and then they're like, oh, you could just come in the next day. I'm like, oh, so it's not broke. You just want to leave early. I was, I was. Because when you get hurt and I'm, I'm like a high performer, like where I just want to like not like being hurt sucks. I just want to get healed as fast as I possibly could, which kind of made me have conversation with my ATs at school. Cause I was just always never wanting to rest my mm. injuries. I just want to keep doing more and more to try to fix it as fast as I could. So that whole thing of trying to get the MRI, couldn't get it, finally got it one time and, uh, realized I had two disc herniations with a cyst in between both of them. And so I had a pretty uh, scary phone call when I got the results back because the doctor kind of just was not empathetic at all with it. He kind of just like a straight shoot, just, yeah, this could be cancerous. The what's behind, what's in between the cyst, like what's in between the herniations. And I go, what? <laughs> I go like, I go like, I'm just, I'm just in, I'm in my room. I'm in my room on the phone, and I'm writing the stuff down that he's saying. He's like, "This hernia, like that's fine." Like, like, I wasn't worried about that. And, he's like, he's like, and I'm like, "We saw something abnormal." And I'm like, "What?" And I was like, "I was like, what do you mean abnormal?" And he's like, "We need to do another MRI with the dye to make sure it's not cancerous." And I go, "Contrast." And yeah, and I'm like. Okay, I was like, you couldn't say that any better. I was like, that's the way you're gonna frame it. I was like, I was like, okay, dude, it's so funny. And it's so um, I had to get that other MRI with the dye, and if it, nothing was wrong, it was not cancerous or anything. It was just a muscle cyst from a prior injury. I guess I injured my back before, 
And I do remember it, like having that pop sensation, but it wasn't nearly as bad and it went away in a day. So I'm like, oh, I just must like adjusted like my low back a little bit, like that chiropractor pop. And I was like, that's no big deal. And um, yeah, big got, I'm getting a little queasy over here. <laughs> big sigh of relief. But, um, but once I figured that I had those two injuries, that's when that sparked like my nutrition and um, like wanting to be like, all right, well, I'm just not going to train legs. And took some time off, went to fall ball, like went, went to fall uh, on campus. We had a meeting with the baseball team and it was shot because it was all the COVID regulations and stuff. And they had baseballs lined up six feet apart on the field. And it was about like 60 guys just on the field, all six feet apart. And the coach is just yelling like, like his hands over his mouth because he didn't have a microphone. But we're all spread out. It's just explaining to us what fall ball is going to be like. We're like, there's no guarantees that we're going to have a full season. But we're still going to practice as like if we were. Mm. But like the practices have to be split up because we can't have as many people in the same uh, like place. Catchers have to wear their like masks underneath the catcher's mask, and I'm a catcher. I'm like that sounds like awful. Like that sucks. Yeah, so that does suck. The combination of the COVID bagging like bagging the baseball for me. Like I was just like, all right, I don't even want to play that bad, and you're giving me all these regulations. Like, and then my back's still trying to figure it out. I was like, you know what, baseball's not for me anymore. I'm done. And I had to get an epidural steroid shot while I was up at Springfield. So I had to come back to Connecticut to get that. And that hurt. That was that was a weird shot right in my back. Felt it all the way down my Jeez. leg. That's but, what like pregnant ladies got? Yeah, I guess. I think so. <laughs> but once I got all that situated, that's when I started going into the powerlifting route. Well, I was bodybuilding for a little bit. And um, Zach was programming for me. And so all that kind of led me to how to actually program and lead into next week and not just crushing myself every session and not just freestyling mm -hmm. it. Cause that's what I was doing up to this point. Yeah. And so I had no concept of load management. I had no concept of like appropriate volume or I really never, I never deloaded. I guess in my back for two months was a deload enough, but, um, that's what got me down the path of like training and programming and wanting to be a better coach so I can prevent that from happening to other people. But that was like a long, like three or four months. Like I didn't deadlift at all. And I was, mm. I was pretty scared to do any of that stuff for a while. Like I was just didn't want that experience to ever happen again. Mm. That's why I'm a little bit more cautious when it comes to squatting or deadlifting. I've gotten to the point now where like I PR'd everything after I hurt my back. So I got stronger after it, but mm -hmm. I implemented a lot more of the isometrics and just strengthening my low back and extension movements like Superman's in the 45 degree back extensions yeah. and then doing more mobility, like the side bends, yeah. pigeon stretch. I know if I don't take care of my hip flexors at all, like that pain starts to flare up again. So I know stretching out my hip flexors and my psoas and just working through those ranges of motion and being a little bit more smarter with it, then it doesn't, it never really comes up. Yeah. I think that was a big shift for me too, since, um, from high school to college, I got introduced from instead of crushing legs once a week and just having all the volume on one day, splitting it up into two days. And then when I started going down the deep dive of like mobility and started to get introduced to, you know, the realm of coaches that, that we follow and, and stuff on social media, I started doing like very low volume of my accessories for legs, but like doing a lot of like isometrics and like 
full, I mean, I do a lot of full range of motion, strength through length type movements anyway, like full body, but especially on the legs, like doing, um, doing the Copenhagen planks, doing Cossack squats, ATG split squats, then finishing with ISOs and stuff just allows my legs to recover so much faster. So it's like, I'll hammer, I know you make fun of me for this a lot, but like I'll hammer the main lift, like deadlift or squat. And then the accessories, I go relatively light because I'm still getting such a good workout and good pump from hammering the compound lift and then going full range of motion in the accessories and then finishing with an ISO. My recovery time is like, is ridiculous now compared to before. Like I could literally like sprint without warming up and do a demo and smoke any of our high school athletes. <laughs> shot, shot. Grown man beats, <laughs> beats adolescent teen in a race. Wow. Hey, hey. I'm saying. Yeah, but like, um, I do have to give Zach a lot of credit. It for creates it. buy-in. I'll just say there, right? They yeah. see when you, when they see that you know you're not all just talk and you could actually do the stuff, like jump in like thirty inches without warming up and like a vert demo yeah. running like a four seven forty like without warm warming up and they and they're struggling jumping twenty inches running a five two like they see that and they're like whoa like that stuff's possible and it's like yeah you just gotta put the work in yeah you know you gotta I always try to teeter the line though of like yeah I I can do all this stuff but I don't want to show i'm not like a show off in a sense that's why i post all my workouts yeah. on instagram just so if kids do see it they'll be like oh that's what his training sessions yeah. look like no I, I agree with that i think that there's there's a time and a place too and like with me right now the adjustment of i'm pretty much working with like only overhead athletes right now at upward so i think that like, excites me a lot because yeah I'm working with my niche when i used to coach like 40 hours a week of just everybody. I obviously wouldn't do that every session. Yeah. But it's been more recently because it's like more fired up to coach because I coach yeah. like three hours a day You now. still get like that athlete sense too. Yeah. That you're like, you're part of the group. Like yeah. You're, tra- <laughs> you're training too. You're like, let me, let me try. Let me try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But like I was saying, I want to give a lot of credit to Zach for programming me and like actually being smart. That's when I got into a lot of the percentage based training as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, i like for squat, bench, and deadlift, like I didn't need to train to failure like every single set, every single session, and I can build off each week going into it, and that's what allowed me when I went to powerlift for my first meet, I was able to squat five oh seven, like before my injury, I never got over four fifty five, which was still relatively good. I was one eighty five when I did it, like no belt, no sleeves, anything. That was just a, a YOLO, like to see what I can get. I blasted Rocky and. <laughs> got 455 got the right song on got the right song on and then um and then my deadlift it actually flew in competition so if you ever see that video we, we never used i never trained with a deadlift bar so i never i got a chance to like feel like what the whip feels like because the mm. deadlift bar has a lot more slack to it and i did 500 pounds the first time on a deadlift bar and it flew up like it was like 455 like it was not it was like an RP7 single. It was not Jeez. hard at all. I probably had 525 in me that day. But me and Zach, who was coaching me and competed at the same time, we joked about it. He's like, because he beat me by like six pounds, I think. Because his bench was just that much better than mine. But um, like we joked that he called it so, he called it short to win. Yeah, yeah. But really, it was like, we're just being conservative with it. Yeah. Especially with like going back into straight bar deadlifting and not doing it for those months. Like just being safe. And a little bit more cautious, especially with the injury. But I pretty much built myself back up from the base because mm. I was 170 when it, when I got hurt. 
and then I competed at 198. So mm. I bulked up. I was eating like pro. I was like having protein shakes at 6 a.m. Like just to make sure I can get it in. But I was around 300 grams of protein a day, 450 grams of carb, and 90 grams of fat. So that was like my bulk calories, and I was really tracking it and eating a ton of chicken and rice. Like, like I was pretty religious with it. Every three hours, mm. it was like eight ounces of chicken and a cup of white rice with some fruit or like a greens powder drink. I was like not trying to eat veggies at all. Yeah, it takes up too much space in your stomach. Yeah, but like all that led me to getting a lot stronger and then transitioning out of that from powerlifting. I remember my first session at Upward, or it was, I guess it was Bright Athlete at the time. It might've been, I might've been, I don't remember. But uh, they had a jump mat and I never got to test my vert. And this was three years removed from the last time I tested it with the Vertec. Uh-huh. In high school, I could never get over 27.5. Like, I just never could get over it. So I never really cared that much about the vert. I was like, oh, I suck at it. I'm not going to do it. I just yeah. live. And then when I jumped on the jump mat, I got a 30. Like the first time ever, and I saw that, and I was like, oh my God. Like I could jump like 30 inches. That's crazy. And now I think about it, that's a terrible jump. Yeah, yeah. But that's what kind of sparked me two <clears throat> years ago to get more into that athletic training. And then mm-hmm. obviously, when I started upward, it was just athletes, no adults. So I'm looking at how fast some of these football guys are and how high they can jump and the style of training that they were doing. That inspired me to go down that rabbit hole a lot of getting faster, staying the same strength, but like seeing what it actually means to train like an athlete mm-hmm. and not so much live or die by the barbell. Yeah. Like not really caring. Like I have no idea why I can, like my squat's not good right now, but I can jump higher than I did when my squat was like almost two times what I was doing for reps or like a hundred yeah. pounds less. But I know I, I'm a lot faster. I can jump a lot higher and I still deal with injuries. It's not like I'm not injured. Like my hip's injured right now, which sucks. It's been yeah, two weeks, yeah. but um, I just know I'm a lot more confident and stuff like that. That I know I've dealt with a lot worse and I know how to recover it with the isometrics and then with the full ranges of motion and then still being smart about the load management. Like I know with my hip, I'm not going to sprint. Like, as much as I want to, I just know I'm not going to. Like, two years ago, I would have done it, and I probably would have made it way worse. But you have to break a couple eggs to learn from your own mistakes, really. And that's why I can help a lot more people that way, because I am my own test subject. I think that's what helps me a lot with coaching. It's like, yeah, I can read the exercise science books. I can watch the videos and listen to the podcast. But I've been through a lot of stuff, Mm -hmm. and I can have that personal story that I can tell kids. Like, look, I, I went through this. And here's X, Y, Z of what I did to fix it. Mm-hmm. You have, it seems that you have a similar issue. Here's the layout. Yeah. It kind of eliminates that guesswork. Because a lot of it too is the mental side of injuries as well. That you can do all the rehab you want. But if you don't like, if you're just guessing, you don't really know. It's going to delay the process because you're not bought in enough to it. Yeah. So you're going to be like, eh, is this working? Like that self-doubt. And then it never really gets healed. So that's why. Yeah. But where do you, like, kind of see yourself now? Like, I know that after the injuries and stuff, you kind of went with a bunch of different training modalities, and, like, you go through different phases. Like, you had your long-distance phase at one point, and you have now it seems to be kind of like a bodybuilder phase. You're in an athlete phase this summer. Like, where do you do you ever see yourself, like, stopping, like, switching from, like, phase to phase or, like, in just – kind of focusing on one for a long time or do you like hopping around i like personally hopping around uh through the seasons of the year so fall winter 
I'm going to do more bodybuilding stuff and powerlifting stuff just for the main reason that it's too cold to sprint outside. Mm-hmm. So I don't really want to bring the lasers out outside and sprint. And something about like just wearing the hoodie and the sweats when you walk in, like I don't like taking that off. And it's kind of like the linear periodization model or um, what's the word? There's a, a periodization. Uh, yeah, periodization of you do like a strength phase, you do a hypertrophy phase, then strength phase, then power phase, then speed phase. Mm-hmm. I like kind of do that. I still jump and sprint a little bit in the winter, but yeah. definitely the volume's a lot lower. I'll do it for like quick 10-yard dashes just to make sure I can s- still move like yeah. adequately well. But I definitely have main focuses throughout the year. It's just the winter time when it's colder and you have the hoodie up, you want to get big. Like It's really like a, a, yeah. a bulk phase. And then summer, it's warmer out. You're going to be outside a lot more. More of a the cutting phase. Yeah. It, my diet doesn't really change that much, but that's just how I go about my training philosophies and i'm not competing uh, or i'm not an athlete as much as i feel like i want to be like i'm not playing a sport so for me like i can play around with all that stuff and try and experiment different things but the basic of just squat bench deadlift like that'll usually be more in my routine mm-hmm. when i start that bodybuilding powerlifting phase and then when i go when spring summer warms up a little bit i stray more away from that stuff or i go more dynamic effort based training where I'm trying to move weights as fast as I possibly can, a lot more accommodating resistance, a lot a lot of contrast pairings of like RDLs, broad jumps and squat to vert jumps and dumbbell jumps and sled sprints to regular sprints and pretty much everything that Racehorse 2 had in it. And that's just, that's just what I've noticed in the past two years, three years. I, that's just kind of just how I cycle through. Yeah, It's not really intentional. It's just where I'm at at that time and what I really feel like doing. Yeah. If for me, I want to enjoy it. And in order to do it long term, like in order to like love training for the rest of my life, I feel like I need to have those phases throughout the year so I just don't get like burnt out. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what I love about Javelin too, is that the way that I structure the year like in college and even how I do it now is the same way. It's like, you know, the, the season, I mean, it's different for everyone depending on if you're a professional or collegiate, but in college, the season would end by like June. So then it was June, July, August, September, you do like a bodybuilding, like hypertrophy phase. And then from October to um, probably October to January, do like a strength phase. And then February through like, you know, February through um, February through April, you're doing a power phase. And then the last, the last month of May is like, you know, that's when you got conference New England's nationals and that's in like your peak phase or like your peak month. You know, that's yeah. what we, that's what we try to get the most speed, your lowest lifting volume. Everything is limited range of motion, you know, using bands and stuff uh, a lot with accommodating resistance or whatever, or just like heavy box squats, stuff like that. Um, and just really like l- really, really low throwing volume as well. But that's what I liked about javelin and and like how it set up the whole year for that was because i was able to still as long as i was still doing mobility a little bit throughout the whole year and then doing athletic stuff and still throwing a decent amount it was like it was enough to maintain that and then you just switch your focus as the year goes on yeah and usually when i learn about other training techniques i'll try to implement it right away just to see like 
what it is about. Like, that's how I like to learn mm-hmm. instead of just reading it and like not applying it. So like I usually get into like the powerlifting phase or like the when whenever I see like more conjugate stuff. Like uh, Derek put me onto conjugate when I joined Upward. So when I was doing all that, I was like, yeah, I experimented with conjugate for a couple months of like one max effort day, one dynamic effort day. You have to wait 72 hours before in between days to make sure your central nervous system is adequately adapted to it. You're doing maximal effort training where like that session, you're hitting an RP nine to 10 mm-hmm. single, double, triple, whatever it might be. And then you cycle through every week. So it's kind of like a powerlifters ADD dream because the program never stays the same week yeah. to week. And then hammering the accessories of the posterior chain and doing everything like back, rear delts, hamstrings, calves. And then conjugate's great. You're really like, pretty much everything's conjugate if you undulate it. So you go from like a heavier day to a lighter day. That's pretty much what it is. It doesn't have to be exact with what Louis Simmons had at Westside. But yeah, I kind of strayed away from that too because just the maximal effort style of training. I really just hate waiting three to five minutes to do another set. I won't, I won't lie. I was like, I get bored of like doing a doing like a heavy two on squat you got to wait five minutes to do it again you're kind of just sitting there yeah you got to be in the right phase of life and work to be able to do that too yeah right now is definitely not the not the time for for me or you to do that yeah um just because like you know we've been working so hard waking up at 3 a.m and trying to fit in an hour of training and stuff like that um that's kind of where i'm at right now is like this has like been a nature's deload for me like last week and this week because I've slept the least amount. So I've haven't been wanting to push myself in the weight room just because of like lack of energy. And just also like, I know I'm not going to be as strong. Yeah. My diet hasn't been a huge priority. I've lost six pounds the last two weeks. And so okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to cut, I'm just <laughs> trying, to, trying to hold on, but you know, I'm still prioritizing it every, every way I can. I'm still working out five times a week. It's just not, it's just like an hour and that's it. It's not like a full, it's not an hour and a half or, you know, I'm not doing a lot of the extra stuff. Like yesterday I just sprinted and that was it. Mm. Like I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. I usually always will do pair it with something, but you know, I'm just kind of consolidating just in a maintenance phase. And then, you know, I want to do something like that, like conjugate again this winter. Cause last year when I ran it the first time, cause you and Zach, taught me about it like last year mm-hmm. it was sick like I, I got the best results from it when i went from conjugate into triphasic it was like because i because dude because i went that was like the most dialed i've been in like a really I don't know, like just a lifting program right because like when i was in college i was dialed into the lifting program but we wouldn't train at 100 percent max effort because we had to sprint and jump and throw and i, I could i had to make sure i could walk the next day mm-hmm. and then last year I followed hypertrophy clusters to a T right into linear conjugate for to a T and then like right into triphasic to a T. And that's when I got like, I got super strong, especially in the bench doing that. So hips, baby hips. Yeah. Maximal strength training's cool, but you do de- definitely have to be in like that right mindset and phase of life to really prioritize it. Mm-hmm. Cause once you get really busy, it, it kind of helps empathize with, like our general population clients too, because like they have kids running around and like obviously we don't have kids, but we yeah. work quite a bit, like 3 a.m. to 8 p.m., like trying to get new programs out and do content and make sure the system's operations are good and my part and you have your nutrition program. So it is a lot 
on our plate. So something has to give back a little bit. And obviously the business side of things are going to be a priority. So our own personal fitness has to take a little bit of hit. That doesn't mean we don't train. Yeah. Like we still work out four to five, sometimes six times a week, but the, the workouts can't be our two, three hour sessions anymore. Absolutely. Like they gotta be like that 45 minute, get in, get out. Like hour. Warm up. Hour. Yeah. I mean, back and buys doesn't need to take an hour. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I still, I still, like, I feel good when I work out. If I don't work out, I still feel like crap at the end of the day. I feel yeah. like, I feel like I didn't achieve anything. No matter how hard I work and work, I'm like, if I don't work out, I feel like I've let my priorities slip. Because I, I feel like you could always do something to make it happen. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a crazy two-hour powerlifting session. Like, you can still, like, ride the bike for a little bit or do some ISOs or even mix in a mobility day. You just yeah. sprinted yesterday, so yeah, exactly. that's enough power and speed output because sprinting's in itself a full body workout going to the league <laughs> going to the league dude, that was so funny <laughs> that photo, at the end where i just like pop my head over to the camera is so funny 